I've never been able to sing that, sing those notes up there. Any of you guys been able to do that ever? It's such a great song, though, isn't it? It's a neat song. Um, and so, uh, Kevin, I was wondering, was that a beginning of like an interpretive dance you were doing over here? I, I'm just curious about that. Oh, okay. Thought maybe there was a special number coming up in the weeks ahead, an interpretive type. Um, I'm not sure that we can quite double that. I don't know. Uh, wow. Invite, I, I would just want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We'll get there in just a moment, Matthew chapter 1. And, but I just love, as I said before, I love this. I love this feeling of, the, of the, this time of year and, and the smell of the Christmas tree. I love real. When we were growing up, in my family, we always had a um, silver tree, tinsel. You ever seen those? And we had to put it together, and it was about this, about that high. And we'd set it up on something, and and it, you know, it. I guess I never really thought about it too much until I got, you know, until Susan and I got married. And the first year that we decided to have a Christmas tree, it was going to be real. So we love real Christmas. I love the smell of it. Love the uh, the looks of it. Love all of that. And and. Um, We've had a real Christmas tree every year. Somebody wanted to donate to us a, not, not, I don't have nothing against them at all. I'm just telling you. Somebody wanted to donate to us this beautiful artificial tree one day. And I thought, you know what? It's nice, too, at the end of the year. You can just put it out in the burn pile, and you can just take care of it. You don't have to put it in the attic. But it's not about that. It's just uh, I love this. I love everything about Christmas. Uh, um, a lot of different reasons, uh, not just the tree, the decorations. About this time, we start pulling stuff out of the cupboards, you know, and uh, from storage, and we start decorating and, again, put the tree up. Love the glow of that Christmas tree in the early morning, and I love the glow of it at night. I love hot chocolate. <laughs> and then at Christmas time, just put a little bit of, you know, you take one of those candy, peppermint candy canes, you put that in, oh, ho, ho. Love that. Love that kind of stuff. Love eggnog. Eggnog. My kids don't like it, I don't think. Mike does. Okay. Um, Lefsa. My hope and my... I, I have to apologize to you guys. I was planning on having a load of Lefsa here today, but I didn't have time to make it uh, yet. We'll see what happens. But Christmas cookies... It's a great time for Christmas cookies, spritz, and all those. Oh, love that stuff. Um, oh, yes, pie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Did you? Did anybody take a peek at some of the pies over there? I know there was a lot of them being made in my house. Um, and I, you know what? I didn't even have, I'll tell you, maybe I shouldn't tell you this. I didn't even have to make one this year. My kids were making so many pies, I thought, Gosh, I shouldn't compete with that. They were looking good. I thought, gosh, I mean, if I make one, then mine's just going to or lose. Who knows? But anyway, um, I love listening to Christmas music. Um, I'm tired of it probably by the end of it, but I don't you just love? Well, one of the, I have to be honest with you. I don't really like the Christmas in July stuff on Hallmark Channel and all that stuff. No. But when it gets to be December, I love the music. I love that coming out, and it's it's really, it's in, incredible. Um, I love all the trappings. I love all the traditions. 
But let's not forget the reason for the season. We celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and what that means. Ultimately, as we've talked about so many times, the birth of Jesus, what we celebrate ultimately is the purpose of his coming to go to the cross. Um, I, for me anymore, it, it's just so hard to separate Easter and Christmas because the, really the two go together. I'm really excited about this series, as I told you a little bit. We're, we're just going to be looking at this the next couple of weeks, uh, next few weeks up until Christmas. I called it Christmas Hope. I'm not quite sure. I might switch it to a thrill of hope. But that's such a great little thing that I, I found on, online. That, um, um, but anyway, I think that word hope really captures it. The truth is, is that you could probably say joy or you could say love, you could say peace. And that those things capture this time of year, and they do. But this idea of hope, I think, is so, hen- so central to what Christmas is all about. And I like what Acts chapter 2, verse 25 says, and this is from the lips of King David. And uh, he's speaking of the Messiah to come, and he says this. He says, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will your, you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence. I like how the message translation actually translates verse number 26. It says, I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Now there's a word picture. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I love that. You know, we can pitch our tents in a lot of different places. We can pitch our tents uh, in the land of fear. You can pitch your tent in the land of guilt or the land of anxiety. You can, you can pitch your tent in a, in a land of negativity. If you can find a you know, place, it, it's, it's pretty full, right? You can pitch your tent in the land of bitterness or you can pitch your tent in the land of hope. I think over the next few weeks, we're going to be pitching our tent in the land of hope and believe that God is going to meet us in a special way. Uh, at Christmas time, my, my prayer, I, I always think about this. Every time you come to Christmas, Easter's the same way. You, you come to it, and it's like, okay, everybody knows the story. Everybody knows the text. Everybody knows the, and it's just like how God, I, you know, my prayer is always, God, how can I bring this in a fresh way? Or how, what, what new, and, and um, you know, certainly we've seen these, we've read these verses before, we've, We've, uh, they're familiar to us, and, and because they're so familiar, I, I really think it's so easy for us to lose sight of just how valuable God's Word is to us. And so my prayer is that God would reveal to us in the coming weeks a, a, a greater sense of who He is, and, and I believe He's going to do that for each and every one of us. But I want you to take a look at Matthew chapter 1 and look at verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and you will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Several years ago, I went to a preseason Packer game. Camp Randall Stadium, I was, uh, it was in Madison, that's in Madison. I actually got a chance to go underneath the stadium and to stand there as you know they kind of roped off the air, the, uh, the the entrance onto the field from from underneath the stadium, and I got to stand there and I, I literally worked my way up to that roped off area, and Brett Favre and Reggie White and uh, uh, Gilbert Brown he was the only one that had a little every one of the other ones were kind of trim, and and they were tall and big I I couldn't believe how big they were. They were all, and Reggie White was a little bit bigger than most of them. Um, Donald Driver, um, uh, can't think of all of them, but uh, all of those guys, I mean, I could have reached out and touched them. And it just was kind of an amazing, amazing experience to me, I guess. It was like, it was like, wow, I get to really, I get to see these really important people. I mean, I mean, there's just really something about that, I guess, whether... It's an athlete or a politician or a per TV personality or, or whoever it is. There's just something about bumping into someone like that that's really cool, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it really is. I mean, well, here a couple years ago at the Vernon County Fair, I don't know if any of you got a chance to do that, but I got a chance to talk to former linebacker for the, or for the, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, a fellow by the name of number 88, anybody know? Dave Robinson? And uh, he even signed a picture of me, or uh, signed a picture for me. Uh, here he is right there. And uh, I was thinking it was Fran Tarkington, but Fran Tarkington was number 10, I believe. Um, he signs this picture uh, here, and he, uh, he's uh, getting ready to go in for to attack or to sack uh, Gary Cuso on here. And uh, anyway, it's kind of a neat picture, and he signed that. And in fact, uh, you know, what he wrote here is kind of interesting. This is, is neat. It's, to Paul, best always to a real special packer. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Didn't have the heart to tell him I was a Viking fan. <laughs> Poor guy. He probably, with all the pain and everything else, that would have probably just put him over the top. I'm thinking. A friend of mine in college, this is a true story. A friend of mine in college, um, he uh, was in the Marine Corps, and actually during all that stuff back in the, um, in the early 80s, uh, he was in the Marine Corps. He was actually uh, in England, and he went into a bar over there, and, and he met, uh, saw, he actually ran into Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> and uh, he tells me about this. And uh, Anyway, I, I haven't seen this guy. His name was Ron. I haven't seen him since probably the early 80s, but he tells a story anyway. He, uh, he tried to stir up a conversation with her, tried to, tried to take her out on a date, and she just kind of just snubbed him and moved on, you know. But can you imagine walking, you know, you're in England and bumping into somebody like that, Olivia Newton-John. Um, but that was his claim to fame. He, he got to meet Olivia Newton-John. Uh, you know, here's, 
there, there's something about being in the presence of, of someone that has just a little bit of fame or a little bit of power, a little bit of recognizability, and, and they almost seem like they're just more than human, more than, you know, they're superhuman. But here's the deal. You take all of those instances where you bump into someone or you are in the presence of human greatness, so to speak, And then you compare that with being in the presence of Almighty God. And shouldn't we just get a little excited, right? When we just, we get into the presence of God, I mean, shouldn't there be like a, wow, I just bumped into the presence of God, right? And it's like, see, that's what Christmas celebrates. The fact that God, this, our, the God of this universe, the creator, the sovereign one, became one of us. He moved into our neighborhood. The, the incarnation, I, I, I think what I love about Jesus is, is uh, you know, what I love about him so much is that when you read the Gospels, he is the epitome of holiness. And yet he never acted holier than thou. In fact, he was so down to earth that you could, you could keep, you just could not keep people away. You couldn't keep the lepers away. You couldn't keep the, the little children away. Pharisees, yeah, kept them. But, but, you know, anyone else? I mean, he was so touchable, so reachable, so, so available. It's, it, and I, I think it's at Christmas, it's at Bethlehem that, that God Most High became near to us. I want you to listen to something here. Listen to Isaiah 55, verse 9. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah describes the difference between our thoughts and, and his thoughts as, as the distance of the universe. Let me just try to put that into perspective, but I need to, pre I need to preface it with this. You need to know I'm not a scientist. I think you already know that. So I'm hopefully the things that I've kind of looked into here this week. If you are, you can, you can gently let me know where I erred after, after the service. Just pull me aside or whatever. But, but here's the perspective. At least I think this is how it works. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Everybody say, wow. wow. 186,000 miles per second. That is so fast. Now what I need you to do is snap your fingers. Can we do it all together? Ah, that's better. <laughs> In the time that it takes you to do that, okay, light traveled the grove a half dozen times is what I'm understanding. Our sun is 93 million miles away. 93 million miles away. So let's just let's kind of put that a little bit into perspective. Okay, say you, you could, uh, let's just say we could drive there. And we would drive at 65 miles per hour for 24 hours a day for 365 days a year straight. You have to have a lot of food stashed in there. There's no stopping at any quick trips or anything on the way. But can you guess how many, how long it would take for you to get there? Anybody? Just. If you do the, huh? A month? Oh. I, that would be going, huh? 163 years it would take you to get there if you went 65 miles per hour, 24 hours a day for 365 days a, a, a year. It would take you 163 years to get there. That's a long way, okay? 
The, and, and the incredible thing is that scientists have discovered that there are galaxies that, that are 15.5 billion light years away. I, I have no clue what that means. I really don't. I, to me, that's just un, unimaginable. It's just, it's, it's just beyond comprehension. <laughs> it just really is. And God says, and here's what God says. He says that that is about the distance between your thoughts and my thoughts. So here's, here's my thought. Your, your, your best thought on your best day is 15.5 billion light years short of how great and how, how, how good that God really is. I really don't know what that means. But the prophet <laughs> Jeremiah said, no one can fathom his greatness. Right? No one can fathom his greatness. Ephesians chapter 3. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He is the most high God, but is at the same time God who came near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me just go all the way back to the book of Genesis here for a moment. We'll find, we'll find our way back to Bethlehem in a second. In, 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 in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over that chaos. Everything was chaos. But that word there is, it's a word that refers to that split second before and a split second after something happens. It's almost like you're, you're able to capture that single moment in time. It's, it's, well, it's kind of like the idea of he's the alpha and the omega. You know, God exists outside of our space-time dimensions. And, but that's this whole idea of hovering. God hovers. I guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you're... That, you and I, that we're surrounded. God has surrounded you. He is all around us all the time. Well, here's, David kind of paints a picture of this in Psalm 139. Here's what he says in verse number five. He says, you have me in before, behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain, to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my dead bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. A.W. Tozer said it this way. I think I have that quote right on here, on the screen here. God is above, but he is not pushed up. He's beneath, but he's not pressed down. He's outside, but he's not excluded. He's inside, but he's not confined. God is above all things presiding, above all things presiding, beneath all things sustaining, outside of all things embracing, and inside of all things filling. That, he says, is the imminence of God, the, the closeness, the nearness of God. God with us, God near us. I think of John 1.14, says, says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Or as the message translation says, God moved into our neighborhood. In other words, God put on skin. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's just so amazing, isn't it? So relatable, so touchable, so accessible. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. For thousands of years, there was only one person, and that was the high priest. 
who could gain access to the inner presence of God. That's the Holy of Holies in the temple. And he could do that only once a year. But you and I, we have immediate access at any time, any place. The high priest, Jesus, invites us into his throne room. Verse 16 of that same passage in Hebrews, verse 16, Hebrews 4, 16, he says, let us then approach the throne of grace. Oh, I love this, with confidence, right? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what I really want you to hear this morning. Um, I thought I read in the program that we were going to be singing, O Come, O Come, O Emmanuel, and, and I realized it was just Emmanuel, but same thing. That song, I was thinking of that, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. See, here's what I think that that song is about. It's just, it's, it's just the idea that at Bethlehem that God became one of us. And, but I, I think that there's more than, to it than that. Because when he became one of us, one of us, think about this. At the same time, he invited you and I to the table. Right? He invited us into, uh, into a relationship. And so here's my thought. is that When we're singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, in, in the same sense, it, I can, can't you almost hear God singing back, O come, O come, Paul, or, or Dave, or Roy, or, or, or Ruth, or Susan, or, you know. God is inviting us to the table. He's inviting us. He's God with us. And then there's this idea that he is God for us. I, I like that idea of God with us. I like that idea of God for us. One of, my, one of my favorite Christmas stories, you probably heard this, I'm sure you maybe have, but a little boy wanted to have a baby sister for Christmas. And uh, he decided to write God a, a letter. And so we got out his pen and paper, and he started writing down. And, you know, dear God, I've been a very good boy. And then he looked at that, and he kind of scratched that out. And he thought to himself, no, I better not put that down. Because if I put that down, he says, God's not going to believe that. Because it's not true. So he starts over, and he scratches that up. And he, okay, dear God, I've been a pretty good boy, you know. And then he stops again, and he he didn't like what he, he didn't feel like that was very convincing. Crumbled it all up and he threw it away. And then he decided, he got this idea. He went into the bathroom, he grabbed a towel, and he walked over to the family nativity scene, and he grabbed, a, grabbed the figurine of Mary, and he wrapped her in the towel, and he put her under his bed. And then he sat down to write a new letter. And he started it out this way. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> you know what's I, I think what's interesting is we we kind of do that what that little boy did didn't don't we kind of we kind of use some some of the same tactics in our attempt to get what we want from God you know we we use bribery we use blackmail don't we dear God if you will do this then I will do that. You know, that's bribery, right? And then there's, uh, God, if you don't do this, I won't do that. But see, that's never going to work. Here, here, this is my point. Not, not to make you feel bad. I want you to see something even greater here. You don't even need to do that because God, it says in Scripture, is for you. 
And if we really understood the heart of our Heavenly Father, we would, we would know that He wants what's best for His children, for those who love Him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says that, it this way. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God with us. God for us. And then I want to look at this a little bit. God, fi finally, God is in us. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says something that, that, that may seem kind of confusing. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And I was reading that today, and I th or reading that this week, and I thought, you know, maybe... You know, I, I don't, I'm not sure how everybody understands that. Because I'm, I'm thinking, maybe somebody's saying to themselves, you know, well, I thought Jesus said, well, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, I thought Jesus said, I'm always going to be with you, even to the end of the age. And so why is he not saying, you know, why does he say it's, it's good for me to go away? And, and, and I think this is really simple for us. God, in fact, doesn't leave us. We know that, right? God doesn't leave us. In fact, the promise of Scripture is that when we give our lives to him, when we give our lives to God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. The promise of Scripture is the Spirit of God comes in and dwells, comes to move in and to take up residence within us as the followers of Jesus Christ. You know, we teach it to our children very simply, don't we? Invite Jesus to come into your heart. Or we even say that to adults. We think about that. But what are we really saying? We're, we're, we're saying that God actually has that, uh, uh, comes into our lives, or God indwells the life of every believer through faith. And it's, it, it sounds so crazy, maybe even hard to understand. In fact, Paul says it this way in his letter to the Corinthians. This is, this is kind of a neat, and I'm, I'm, I'm shifting, the, shifting it a little bit here, but so don't miss what I'm doing here. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What's, what's Paul saying in that there? He's saying that our bodies are living temples. We, we, look at the, we look at the Bible and we read those scriptures and it, sometimes we think the temple is the church, you know, the modern day church. No, it's not. You are the temple of God. The, the person of Jesus Christ through his spirit lives in every believer. That, that's, that's what he's saying. As Christians, our bodies are dwelling places Wow, for the Holy Spirit. We're walking temples. God with us, God for us, God in us. In Him we move, live and move, and we have our being. Just one more thing, I just want to throw it at you here, because I think we just take so much for granted. Um, I stumbled on that verse, in Him we live and move and have our being. I did, our very breath is a gift from God, right? Our very breath is a gift from God. Just stop and think about this for a minute. Again, I'm not a scientist, so I'm, this is pretty rough. But when was the last time you considered the journey of an oxygen atom? Uh, yes, it happens, but when have you actually stopped and, stopped and contemplated that, right? Um, you know, it begins when air passes through your mouth, your nose, or however, however you breathe, you know. Um, and then unwanted dust is filtered out and everything else. But oxygen atoms, actually, they travel through the entire body via blood vessels. 
And at the end of, again, tell me, if, if I got this all wrong, you know, just afterwards, pull me aside and say, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't right. But, but it sounded good anyway, right? Um, I think this is mostly right. At the end of that journey, oxygen enters into the individual cells, and then it bonds with food, and we eat and we release energy, right? That's right? Okay. That's how it works. I mean, seriously. And, 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 but see, now I don't understand. I don't fully understand all of that. But here's what I do understand. Acts chapter 17 says that God gives all men life and breath. Job chapter 34 says that if God were to withdraw his breath, we would return to dust. God with us. God for us. God in us. And I just want to close with this. As we journey towards Christmas, I, here's what I think we ought to do. We just ought to take a moment and take that in and count our blessings and remember what Christmas is all about. It's about Emmanuel, God with us. That's, that's the gift that we celebrate. It's really, it, it, it doesn't really matter what's under the tree, right? What's, what we really celebrate is the fact that our Heavenly Father gave us the greatest gift imaginable, his own son. Say this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, that's God's way of saying, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be with you forever. I can't imagine eternity without you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach Christmas, uh, I, I just pray that you would help us to be grateful for, for Emmanuel, for God with us. We thank you for Jesus. And I pray that you would help us to receive Jesus and to follow Jesus today and every day of our lives. Fill our hearts with your love. Fill our temples with your spirit. O come, O come, Emmanuel, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Uh, we want to encourage all of you to stick around because we got more than enough food. Um, in fact, we're probably going to pack some of it up and send it home with you. I don't know how that works, but that's not my... So, but we hope you stick around for a good, good, good meal. And I'm going to share as we close here, I'll just share a prayer for that meal. So when everybody's running around, we, we know that we can just put somebody right in and, and get them to start that. Please look at your bulletins. Check out some of the announcements that are coming up. Uh, there's some caroling coming up, a nursing home service coming up this next week. Invite you to be a part of that. Uh, some real lovely people over at the, at the um, Creamery Creek. Thanks, Ruth. Um, and um, sock drive this third.